Welcome to the Lords of Order podcast, episode 126. Lords of Order is a DC's Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. You can tweet me at Teal Productions or Facebook me at Teal Productions or Lords of Order, should you have any feedback. The Dr. Fate Fan Podcast has a Gmail address at, just as I said, the Dr. Fate Fan Podcast. BigTimeNoise.com slash Dr. Fate is the website, and we have forums at justanotherfanboy.freeforums.net. Justice League of America, the 1960 volume, the first volume by that title, issue number 64, cover dated August 1968, is the story I have. The Stormy Return of the Red Tornado, scripted by Gardner Fox, penciled by Dick Dillon, inked by Sid Green, and lettered perhaps by someone or a conglomerate claiming Joe Letterese. Now on the cover, we have a big red robot dude with a purple cape, gauntlets, and trunks trying to beat up on JSA's Flash, Dr. Midnight, Dr. Fate, Starman, and Black Canary. He is yelling out, I've come back to rejoin the Justice Society. Any objections? And it looks like he's breaking the table that they sit around. Narration boxes here tell us, Stormy Return of the Red Tornado, Golden Age guest stars, Black Canary, Dr. Fate, Flash, Starman, and Our Man. On the first page, we're told that what a world of difference a number can make. If the locale of this story were Earth-1, you'd be looking in on a meeting of the Justice League of America, hence the title of the book. And it has one of these narration with the pointy finger boxes, and it says, But this is Earth-2, the counterpart of that other world, wherein a secret sanctuary has convened the Justice Society of America. And on the splash page we have Starman, Flash, Black Canary, Dr. Fate, and Dr. Midnight of the JSA, or better known as Earth-2. Now, they're all kind of bored. Here we are, primed for action, and there's nothing critical on Earth to get us going, says Starman. I can't remember when things were so quiet, says the Flash, or so dull, adds Black Canary. Well then, I guess it's up to your timely hour man to stir up some excitement around here with a prediction of where and when the next major crime will occur on Earth. Dr. Fate finishes the panel. What? Not even my crystal ball can do that. So we reconvene on the next page to the Crime Caster, which is a brand new computer that our man is attempting to develop. You feed in all the appropriate information and it tells you the most likely scene of the next crime, which the computer indicates is the 20th Century Museum. But... Before anyone can do anything, there's this huge swirling and and disruption. Suddenly, the sanctuary door slams open, and... What's that? Looks like a runaway tornado. Better use my cosmic rod to stop it from wrecking this place. Your science may need my magic help, Starman, says Black Canary, Starman, and Dr. Fate. And this whirling, twirling air mass says out, Say, what kind of reception is this for a fellow member? And out of this swirling pops this red robotic android-looking dude with a purple cape, gloves, and trunks, and a waist belt that looks akin to a wrestling uh, weight class championship belt that is clear and it has a whirling tornado in it. 
much like you are looking into a hollow of the body and that is telling you what is in the body. Or it could be something that is affixed to his waist and this tornado is an image on that belt-like, um, what do they call them, a, a, uh, when you wear the cummerbund. There we go, cumber, yeah, cummerbund. Instantly, the incredibly swift rotation of the tornado stops short, revealing, and we see this person. So um, here are the credits, Gardner Fox, Dick Dillon, and Sid Green, and the title, The Stormy Return of the Red Tornado. Next page, we start having some back and forth uh, between the different members in the Red Tornado. Well, this person that indicates the Red Tornado. Excuse me if I am making noises and I sound kind of weird. I'm dealing with uh, a head cold or allergies or something today as I record, so... I'll try not to make uh, too many unkind noises, but I can't make any promises because I, I don't necessarily think about it. It's just, I do it. So the JSA. Now, those of you, us, familiar with the JSA, know that Ma Hunkel very, very early on made an appearance as the Red Tornado for the JSA. So that is the JSA, Ma Hunkel. But this big red android dude is claiming to be the Red Tornado and perhaps is sporting too many memories, perhaps even the memories of Ma Hunkel. Now, that's what I read. I think that turns out to be a retcon far, far down the road, another 130 issues of the Justice League or so down the road. Uh, this is filled in a little bit more, but as far as I can tell, this is the actual first appearance of the Earth-1 Red Tornado that will continue on. Um, we will find out who and what this is, but it knows, th this individual, we'll say right now, knows too much. Uh, it goes into a full-page explanation of the five members of the JSA, their alter egos, and what their alter egos do. Now, at this point, not knowing were it me, not knowing who this individual is, and he just gave out the identities of all of these other heroes in the room, some of whom may not have wanted the other members to know. Now, that doesn't come up. And I know that the JSA was typically freer in group with their secret identities than the Justice League typically was. So I guess at this time, everybody's cool with somebody coming out and, and spitting out everybody's street names so that we all know who we all are. But if it were me, I'd be kind of suspicious about, you know, hey, yo, we I, I didn't tell you that it was OK to go spouting that out. So, you know, but they're they're all cool with it. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, this is somebody we should know because he knows us. Yeah. But. Uh, they're going on, and, and at one point they say, well, since you have, in essence, unmasked all of us, you know who we are, why don't you unmask so we can see who you are? And this red tornado does, and it's just a blank face. There's no features. It's just a like a mannequin head, you know, with no, no face on it. Not that that's spooky at all. It talks, it thinks, it sees, it has this knowledge, it has no face. That's not weird at all, is it? But before we can go any farther, the crime caster's computer uh, definitely spits out the site of the next crime, forecasts a robbery of the 20th Century Museum. Now, it's interesting that this popped out now because several panels, pages before, 
the computer had already said that the 20th Century Museum would be the most likely place. So I guess this is um, naming what type of crime and a time. So they all leave, uh, including this new red tornado, or I should just say this red tornado, to go to the 20th Century Museum to try to forestall anything that happens. Well, when they get there, there's this uh, spaceship almost looking thing, a really, really futuristic advanced hovering craft, you know, if you want to call it an airplane, so be it, over the museum. The museum is being sh uh, shot at by these dudes with faces, uh, I say dudes, these beings with faces just like Red Tornadoes when he unmasked, just that blank mannequin-y head thing. The museum is being shot at with these rifles of some sort, and it's changing everything into atomic clouds. And the atomic clouds, as they are drifting around, are being sucked up into the spaceship. So, in, effen in, effens, excuse me, in essence, everything is being converted from uh, matter, solid matter, into this gaseous matter and sucked aboard this ship for transportation. Right after that, we have an ad for Big Mamie, a Revel model kit of the battleship USS Massachusetts. And then on the next page is a full-page spread of the Pan Am Space Clipper from the movie 2001, an Aurora model. So models were big back in the 60s uh, in comic books. Did I indicate this came out in 1968? I believe I did, August 1968. So that's where we are. Continuing our attack, the uh, we have Starman, Black Canary, Red Tornado, and the Flash that attack the dudes on the ground. We find out a little bit later that Dr. Fate went to the airship to try to combat it. So first to engage is Red Tornado, and he's doing what we now know is that very typical, you know, tornado-y kind of attacks, uh, much like The Flash did. It looks a lot like what The Flash did last episode. Uh, yeah, last episode issue. But the Red Tornado does it, <clears throat> excuse me, with just the, just the bottom half of his body looking as the tornado and the upper half, normally the, the figure. And he dispatches a couple dudes. He notices that the Black Canary is um, doing okay, but she's being snuck up on. And he suddenly runs over to help her. But in the process of helping her, he exposes uh, a couple things happen in quick succession. He dispatches the bad guys that were sneaking up on Black Canary. At that time, he and Black Canary's attention is diverted and a sniper shoots Black Canary with something that, a gun that releases bubbles that when they impact her, they break and paralyze the portions of her body where the, where the bubbles hit. In trying to subdue that bad guy and prevent Black Canary from any further damage, he hits both with arm tornadoes, pulling the sniper down to the ground, but knocking Black Canary over into the range of a gun that was perched in a tree and I guess is being operated automatically that shoots and knocks her out. Now, subsequently, it will do other things to other people, I believe. Let me take a look here. No, no. Okay. That's just a different kind of gun later on. Um, So, she is rendered out. Next up, we have a an ad for the Jimmy Olsen title. Um, what is it? 
Superman's friend, Jimmy Olsen, or something like that. Issue 113, in this complete issue, Jimmy strikes back. Uh, this is the anti-Superman issue, it tells us. And that's on sale June 11th, as this was cover dated August. So it was probably what? Uh, came out in June, right? July, August, probably two months. I didn't look up. I need to look up what the estimated street date is for these. Mike's Amazing World, I think, does a good job of that. So I apologize for not having that. I just have the cover date, but I have found out that I can try to determine a loose or actual street date. In 1968, it may be pretty accurate. So I'll, I'll start doing that. But sorry, I get sidetracked easy, especially when I'm kind of sick because I don't feel good and, and the concentration is a bit weak. Um. Anyways, so ready. Uh, which they'll start to call him later on, R-E-D-D-Y. But the Red Tornado goes over and sees that Black Canary, he says, is killed. We So I guess we have to take the word for that. Goes back outside uh, to see what's going on and sees that Starman is attempting to stop the atomic cloud that is being sucked into the ship with his um, star rod. Is that what he calls it? Gravity rod? He doesn't call it here, but he... he yeah, cosmic rod. That's what he calls it. But the energy that he emits from the cosmic rod interacts with the atomic cloud and causes it to condense back into what it originally started as. And that is statues of Egyptian gods. But the energy from the rod also interacts in such a way that it causes these statues to come alive. And in doing so, they start attacking Starman. His rod is, is starting to run out of juice here as he's fighting these, releasing massive energy to control these guys. I would think that his energy started down this road, and so any further use of the energy would just exacerbate, you know, potentially make these statues more powerful. I don't know if that's the case, but Red Tornado comes to rescue here, and he's trying to uh, help Starman, and in doing so, Starman. Uh, uh, again, a, a series of things happen. Red Tornado causes the clouds, causes the statues to veer closer to Starman, whose energy from the Star Rod and he himself all physically come in contact with one another, and it knocks out Starman. So essentially, it kills him. Next up, we see that Our Man is attacking some of the bad guys. Mm in the museum, it looks like, because he, he crashes through a, a wall, and he starts disarming them. He's doing pretty good by himself uh, until the now potentially deceased Starman crashes through the roof and crashes into our man, knocking him for a loop, and I guess uh, looks like essentially killing him as well. Further inside the museum, the Flash uh, is going to attempt to stop some of the bad guys who are in the process of converting these wonders and treasures and items into the atomic clouds that are being sucked up by the airship. And once again, he seems to be doing pretty well. Unfortunately, one of the men, as they fall, they fall and trigger one of their guns in an unforeseen manner that strikes one of Flash's legs and turns it into an atomic cloud. So now he's running around with one leg, uh, or on one leg, but he's still doing okay as he's trying to subdue these guys. In the midst of this, Red Tornado comes down and 
knocks out uh, a couple more of the thugs, one of which who, before he succumbs, completely fires at the Flash yet again, striking both of his arms. And so they start to convert into atomic cloud, as is the initially hit leg. So now Flash is hopping around on one leg, uh, trying to stop all these bad guys. The Red Tornado is there trying to stop some. Also sees that the Flash is in danger and sees as one of the men full on hit Flash with this converting ray and completely converts him to an atomic cloud. So the Flash is gone too. Interestingly enough, after Red Tornado got there to help. So what we are seeing is every time Red Tornado engages around one of the Justice Society members, the Justice Society member falls and Red Tornado lives. So he is turning out to be responsible, uh, quotes here, for the death of the JSA members as he tries to, quote unquote, help them. Now we cut to Dr. Fate. Again, the entire reason that we're reading the book and doing the show. Finally, he makes his appearance up in the aircraft, trying to control things from there. Now, here they have the um, bad guys have guns that emit some kind of yellow goldish powder, uh, sand. Or wait a minute, wait a minute, no, I'm sorry. No, he converts the energy to uh, a gold sand, and when... Red Tornado becomes involved, the red sand, uh, the gold sand is loosed uncontrollably from the guns where the guns were, were under the, um, like they were, uh, yeah, the words are escaping me and I'm trying to do a podcast. Oh, well, contained, the sands were contained by Dr. Fate's magic, but when Red Tornado jumps in, the sands are loosed and the interaction of the sand with Red Tornado's tornado energy and Dr. Fate's magic, when all of these combined, it knocks out Red Tornado and Dr. Fate. So on the ship, whoever's in charge of the ship tells the remaining men to just dump those two bodies, and they dump them out of the ship, ultimately falling to water. Uh, apparently, they were on the coast somewhere. Kind of convenient. We hadn't seen a coast up to now. Half-page ad for Batlash. Can he can he save the West or ruin it? Coming in showcase. The falling into the water uh, awakens the Red Tornado and Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate climbs up to the land and the Red Tornado takes off, determined that he is going to hunt down the thieves who have left, I guess, those that remained in, got into their ship and were able to leave subsequently. And Red Tornado feels that if he goes this way, he will um, find the men in the ship. So we cut to uh, an individual sitting here. Now, I know why I had to create the Red Tornado. Without his presence at the 20th Century Museum, the Justice Society would have stopped me cold, says this individual, as he's controlling the computer. Come to find out, controlling Red Tornado. We have a flashback now for this individual, and we find out that he is Thomas Oscar T.O. Morrow, who, when last he battled the Flash and the Green Lantern on Earth-1 in the Flash 143, was defeated by them. In order to further his plans, he escaped from Earth-1 and went to Earth-2. Uh, he is from, T.O. Morrow is from Earth-1. 
Now, while there on Earth 2, he created this synthesoid red tornado because his computer told him that he he wanted to rob the 20th Century Museum. T.O. Morrow did. And the computer said, no, you will fail. The Justice Society will stop you. By adding another member to the Justice Society, you can prevent them from stopping you. And he asks, well, how do I get you know another member on the Justice Society? And the computer tells him, by using the humanistron, hum, human, humanistron, H-U-M-A-N-I-Z-T-R-N, humanistron, to create such a member called the Red Tornado, after suitable programming with the knowledge I have of the Justice Society, he will be allowed to team up with them. And so there is the origin of the Earth-1 Red Tornado. But just as uh, as he is, we, we go from the flashback back to now. And just as we do that, Red Tornado finds Tio Moro, having followed his, hmm, something tells me to go this way impulse. And he and Tio Moro uh, get into a battle, but Tio is eventually able to subdue him and goes back to his computer. And the computer tells him, your treasure theft of Atlantis will succeed only if Red Tornado is there to try and stop you. So he thought he had beaten the Red Tornado, but his computer tells him that in order to do what he's wanting to do, that the Red Tornado needs to be there. So he can't have just beaten him because he needs Red Tornado up and doing stuff because Red Tornado's involvement is what will allow him to succeed. So he unwhammies Red Tornado and brings him back. So now Dr. Fate has gathered up the unconscious members of the Justice Society, Starman, Black Canary, Hourman, and The Flash, and taken them back to the headquarters, where he hooks up with the Atom, Sandman, Green Lantern, Hawkman, and Mr. Terrific. Wait a minute here. Oh, and Dr. Midnight. So he, uh, Dr. Fate fills them in. Green Lantern says, well, here, let's see what the Red Tornado is doing. And using his ring, we find that the Red Tornado is at the Atlantis Museum trying to subdue the bad guys that are trying to steal things for Tio Moro, even though Red Tornado is a construct of Tio Moro. So I guess in essence, Moro has given Red Tornado free will, but he still does have some control over him because otherwise, why would he have Red Tornado trying to stop the men? that Tio Moro has trying to steal things at the museum. Again, I guess maybe I'm I'm overthinking it. Gardner Fox does a little bit better job of thinking than I do. And so what makes sense to him in his writing perhaps sometimes doesn't make sense to me. Oh, and I will say, I just finished reading um, Gardner Fox's biography written by uh, Miss or Mrs. DeRoss. DeRoss, I believe that was her name. Very good book. Um, I would I would definitely recommend folks read that if you hadn't. Red Tornado, trying to subdue the men, uh, thieving Atlantis objects. Tio Moro apparently is on site here too, and he steps out to try to verbally call down Red Tornado for interfering, and he himself is attacked by Red Tornado. While that is occurring, Dr. Fate, Adam, Green Lantern, um, Dr. Midnight, and Mr. Terrific, sorry, the outfits are confusing me here, all uh, get on scene and along with Red Tornado attempt to 
stop the thugs from stealing all of the artifacts from the Atlantis Museum, Red Tornado tells them that, uh, let's see, their bodies are filled with future energy. That is the other members of the JSA. That's why they're unconscious. They're not dead. They're just unconscious because of this future energy. And if you take one of these weapons, which are the same guns that everybody has been using throughout the story, reverse it, it'll drain the energy and they will they will revive. So in doing so, in, in showing them, he reverses it and triggers the gun and it knocks everybody out. So now Tio Moro has this group of JSA members. He finishes stealing all the artifacts from the Atlantis Museum, goes back to his headquarters and his supercomputer tells him the only way your plan to overcome wait a minute let's see here the only way your plan to overcome the justice league can fail is if the red tornado intervenes now let's see well okay so he decides after he won here that he wants to go back to earth 1 and beat the justice league i guess because they have been a thorn in his side um he doesn't really indicate he just says that that's what he wants to do so Next issue, that is what is going to happen, is that Tio Moro will go back to Earth-1 and attempt to subdue the Justice League, whose name is on the book, and we haven't really seen yet. Also, I uh, want to indicate here that in the letters column in this book, we get letters from Martin Pasco and uh, Bob Rosakis, which are names that are known to me. David Lewin, Peter Sanderson, and Paul Nussbaum. I don't necessarily recognize those names, but Martin Pascal, definitely I know, and Bob Rosakis. So uh, that is the end of this issue. Nothing more to add other than uh, I didn't realize until I got into this that this is the first appearance of the Earth-1 Red Tornado. So that's pretty cool. Kind of double duty following the adventures of Dr. Fate, and we encounter the first appearance of a pretty uh, major Justice League character, too. So next issue will be the second part of the story, issue 65 of the 1960 volume of the Justice League of America. So... Thanks for hanging out with me, making all my noises and sounding weird. I'll try to healthy up before next episode. I'll talk to you then, guys. Ciao.